How are you all going tonight? Are you doing okay? Excellent. So I um, thank you for your prayers over the last couple of weeks. I've been a bit, um, I've been a bit crook. And, uh, but I'm back on deck again now, twice the man I was before, and, um, and fighting fit and ready to go. So, uh, I'm going to go there, that's awesome. Yeah, isn't that funny, like um, sometimes uh, you get knocked down, but you don't know um, sometimes why. And I was reflecting on that uh, uh, this week, um, you know, I don't like it when I'm, I'm not invincible. Um, you know, I like to be invincible. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 21 in a 58-year-old guy's body. You know, that's how I feel. Um, but sometimes, you know, we are a bit invincible sometimes, and things um, come against us. But I don't like that. I don't like. Um, I don't. Don't tell someone, but I don't like it when he's better than me and faster than me and runs better than me, even though he's younger than me. And um, but I was looking forward to going away in this camp that I was going to speak at last week and uh, it was probably one of the highlights for me I was going to go and do that and then I wasn't able to go and I was quite disappointed and you know sometimes it's good to just reflect and ask God about things and you know and there was just one of those times where I was stopped and I just said God what you know like I'm missing going on this camp I love young people I love the opportunity I had it all prepared I had it all ready to go and, um, and I just felt God just dropped a little word in my spirit. He said, well, you could either be homesick or possibly dead on the side of the road somewhere. So maybe I spared you from something. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm just not going to question God. You know, I still pray that I'm healed and get well um, and all of those things. But you don't know what God's doing sometimes. He's up to, because he is for me. He's not against me, which is awesome. Hey, as we take our first fruit suffering tonight, you first fruits offering up tonight you'll see the basket over there um, which we made on one of our mission trips away and it's a, a basket from it's got little bits and pieces of everything in it from all over the outback of Australia um, so there's some uh, wool in there and bits and pieces from the Walker's property from our church in Blackall and there's bits and pieces all over it and so um, you know it's significant um, that we use that for our first fruits on a week a year of expansion because who knows where God's going to take us and what God's going to do in this next season, and I'm excited. But the other thing I was excited about was um, on, fr on Friday night, we had our, our um, first six up. We let the grade sixes come to youth group and get ready for the next um, part of their journey coming into youth group and all of those things. And so our youth group's been sitting around about 50 kids over the last, you know, sort of this last part of the year, 50 or 50 to 60 kids. I think we went up to 80 um, 85, something like that on Friday, Friday night. All of these new, young, little lives coming into our world um, for us to be able to tell them about Jesus. And, uh, and that's exciting. That's super exciting. Keep praying for our youth group. It's a, it's a big ministry in our church that you don't see every week. Um, it happens every week. You just don't see it because it's on a, on a night when you're home watching TV, uh, which is okay. I've tried that and it's boring. <laughs> Awesome. You got that photo there, Brittany, my first photo there, um, Isaiah, just to put it up there for me. No, the, oh, that one will do first. Have you got the other one, the bridge? 
Thanks, mate. Awesome. So, you know, going to talk a bit about expansion tonight. And, um, and I was thinking the action of becoming larger and more extensive. Isn't that a, um, a very, like, just throw it out there. It really doesn't say anything much, does it? Like, expansion is just the action of becoming more expansive. Um, and so I, I got thinking about, you know, expansion and all of those things. And this is the uh, Dardanelles Bridge. Its total length is 4,608 metres in length, but the longest span in the middle there is 2,023 metres post to post. That is a huge expanse across there. I don't know, like it, it looks okay from here, but I don't know when you sort of get onto this bit here and knowing that there's nearly just over two kilometres till you get to this point here and there's nothing in between, you want to make sure that the engineer who did that got it right. And um, it just made me think that, you know, sometimes when we're looking at expansion, um, we can't always see how it's going to work, but there's people who are smarter and cleverer than us who have got their minds on these things. But 2,023 um, metre from span to span, at a total cost, that bridge, of $2.7 billion. $2.7 billion. Um, someone had a vision, someone had to make it happen, and someone had to pay for it. It has aided in cutting carbon emissions by $470 million per year. Wow, that's a massive expansion there to see that all come together. I don't know what they would have done without that. What about the next slide? Thanks, Isaiah. This is the uh, giant cross on Memory Mountain. Um, it's finally a reality for the remote Northern Territory communities. After more than a decade, a vision to build a giant cross in the remote Aboriginal community in Central Australia has become a reality. It is actually there. The vision of a 20 metre cross. Now, I'm not sure what the floor to the ceiling would be here, James. What would it be? 14? Okay, let's go another six above that. Um, another six above that. They have built that cross. Um, it dwarfs when you see vehicles and stuff there. It just dwarfs everything. It's, it lights up with lights at night time and it sits smack bang in the centre of Australia declaring Jesus over our entire nation. How awesome is that? Someone had a vision. The vision for the 20 metre cross near Hasplus was uh, proposed in 2009 and landscaper photographer Ken Duncan has led the project. He, um, he, I read an article about him and he said, I went to Hasbluff to talk to the people about it, thinking they'd want to put together two planks of wood and stick it in the ground. Little did I know that I would get myself involved in a 10-year project that ended up costing several million dollars only coming from private donations along the way. And as, in, and, you know, as, individual, as an individual, I've sown into that cross. A little piece of that cross is part of my donation to do that. And, um, and I wanted to be part of that. But someone had a vision, someone had to make it happen, and someone had to, aid, and someone had to um, pay for it, but it probably doesn't do anything about cutting our carbon emissions. Not sure about that one, but anyway. But some expansion is good. 
You can leave that one there, it doesn't matter. Some expansion is good and some is bad. You know, I'm not enjoying the next season of my life where I'm starting to expand around here. This is not good. This is not good expansion, okay? So I'm trying to lose a bit of weight along the way. But, you know, expansion is a good thing in, in the whole. But, and some of it's bad as well. But the good expansion is, you know, over the years I've watched... Um, a lot of families have premature babies. I've, I've seen them um, having to see their children grow and expand every day while they're in this little humidity crib. In the early days of a premature baby, they are monitored 24-7, monitoring any signs of growth. Without medical attention, some of these little lives would have most likely been lost. The families needed people around them who had, the, had expanded their minds and studied hard for this day to come. Nurses and doctors have done that for us. It would have taken a great sacrifice, lots of time and money to prepare for the day they were called upon to care for that little premature baby. But with the right tools and the people working together, we can have a great outcome, and I can guarantee that each family that has walked through the situation is thankful for their efforts. That premature baby needed growth and expansion to live, and the doctors and nurses were ready and waiting with their skills to make that happen. Honestly, if a premature baby goes into a hospital where the doctor isn't trained, it's too late to go and do a six-year course. They need to be ready and waiting on the ground. Expansion needs to happen before God can use you to do what he wants you to do. Tonight, as we look at the word expansion and take up our first fridge offering, my question to all of us is, are we ready? Are we ready for expansion? And as I said a couple of weeks ago, I remember coming back from our trip when I went away with the guys out west, um, you know, and starting to look at what God would want us to do in Australia and looking at it from a holistic view, looking down on Australia. And I thought, oh, I don't know whether I'm ready for this. I don't know whether I'm ready for what God is calling me to do. The reality had sort of started to settle, set in that, well, I don't know whether or not I've got what it takes. And it got me thinking, am I ready? And God's been preparing me all of this time for a time like this. Well, let's look at three quickly tonight, look at three Bible characters um, that, um, that I want to talk about. Nehemiah was the first guy I wanted to talk about tonight. And in Nehemiah 1, it says, um, Hanai, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnants that had survived the exile. Um, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the providence are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of the Jerusalem, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know what, Nehemiah heard about a problem and was compelled to do something about it. The state of Jerusalem were in ruins and it was his time to do something. 
I read a quote the other day that said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I believe that God has called me to do something about the state of our nation spiritually. It's definitely going to be a big job. And many other people and organisations will come along for the ride. It's not just about us. It's not just about a one-man show. There's plenty of us. But I believe that God has called me to do something about that. Some days I wish it was smaller, but it's not. God has called me. God has given me a vision. And then God gave me to you. So tag your it. If God would have wanted you to have a pastor who had a heart only for Meribara or for the only for the homeless or only for something else, he would have given you someone different. But he didn't. He gave you me. And so what that means is that the journey that God is taking me on, he thinks you must be up for the challenge and you must be ready for it. So we're going to go on a journey together to see revival come to this nation we're going to see revival come to Meribara. We're going to see our church grow and it's going to be messy and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to cost us something. But if God hadn't thought that you were up for the challenge, then I wouldn't be standing here tonight. So I'm looking at God's army sitting in front of me tonight, ready to step up and do what God has called us to do. Not me to do, us to do. Because tag your it, I'm here. You can have a board meeting afterwards and find someone new if you want to it's up to you that's fine with me but God has given me a vision and a call on my life and I'm here and we're going to make it happen we're going to see God do something and you know um, sometimes I think what happens is in life along the way things get projected and you go oh that's lovely that's really a nice idea oh that's a good plan but I, tonight I want to see people start to buy in to revival for Australia. I want to see people start buying into the expansion of the kingdom of God. I want to see people start buying into what is God calling us to do? Isn't it, it's not just, oh, isn't it great when Graham and the youth and a few of the old people um, with them, like Paul and Melissa, oh, sorry, did I say that out loud? No, I didn't mean to say that. Um, some, when we go out west and we come back, but it's not about us going out there. We're all going. We've got to get to the place where it's all about all of us. It's not just about us going out and doing that. It's about all of us being excited about the churches that we're going to plant in Outback Australia, that the spot fires that are going to happen and all of those things. It's not just about a Graham and Amanda doing it. It's about all of us doing it. And Nehemiah had, um, had a problem and he saw and he needed to do something about it. So in Nehemiah 2, it says... In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Xerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in, the present, in his presence before. So the king asked me, why, do you, why does your face look so sad? Are you ill? This can be nothing but sadness of your heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when my city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said to me, what do you want? How cool is that? I mean, he took the chance to be the cupbearer to the king and he went in and, the, and told the king why he was feeling sad. And the king said, well, what can I do? 
What can I do to be part of the solution? And so he could have said, oh, nothing. Just be there, care about me, whatever. But he took a deep breath and he said, um, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you be back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, didn't stop there, he decided to continue on and, and do a little bit more um, seeing what he could get. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have a letter to the governor of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct up until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to um, the Ashva keepers of the royal park so he will give me timbers to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city walls and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to to the governor of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letter. The king also sent an army of officers and, and cavalry with me. Well, I love that part of the story because not only did he see that there was something that needed to be done, he actually went out and did it. He went out and found a way to make it happen. Nehemiah, Nehemiah not only heard there was a problem, but it saddened him and he needed to do something. When the opportunity arose, he took his chance with the king and his request for passage, protection and provision were granted. You know, my heart is saddened at the rate that people are turning from God to other things. The older I get, the sadder my heart gets sometimes for the things, the way that people are walking away from God. In Australia in 2022, Christianity is the most common religion in with over 40% or 43.9% of people identifying as Christians. And we think, wow, isn't that awesome? 43.9% identify as Christians. But 96% of people identified as Christians in 1911. 61% in 2011 and 50% in 2016. My heart says we need to do something. My heart's telling me we need to do something. Tonight we have an opportunity to partner with our first each offering to provide for the journey. Now, you know, I haven't been able to give you a specific on what our first fruits offering's for. I'll talk a little bit about what I think at the end. But there is so much to do. There is so much expansion needed in the kingdom. There is so many things that we need to do. Honestly, we could put that first fruits offering anywhere and it would be a drop in the bucket. All I know is I'm sort of excited about that. Um, I'm excited that we don't know. And th that might sound like a bit of a cop out, but I'm actually excited that we don't know because our first fruits offering, our first first fruits offering we had went towards the children's shed. Our second one went to Uganda. Our third one went towards paying Simon. God was very specific. We had no question. God spoke a word, it happened, and it's gone and done its job. If God doesn't speak, then he's not ready to speak yet. 
If God hasn't said what it's for, then he's not ready to reveal that yet. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It's funny standing up here not being able to say what we're going to use it for, but I'm okay that we don't know because God knows and he's got it all sorted. In Nehemiah 6 verse 15 it says, So the war was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Ruins to rebuild in 52 days. Wow. Do you know what 52 days is from here? The 4th of January 2023. Not far down the road, just into the beginning of a new year. After our first fruits offering tonight, what plans are we are we going to be able to put in place to start rebuilding our nation in 52 days? What can't God do? What can't God do tonight? I look at the Shunammite woman um, in 2 Kings 4. One day Elisha went um, on to Shunam where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there and eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let's make a small room on the roof with walls and put in there a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes this way, he can go there. She made a room and it was ready and waiting for expansion. It was ready and waiting in advance for what was going to happen in that room. She put in a chair, the throne of God, a table, a place to fellowship with God, a lamp, the presence of God, a bed, just let's rest in God. She put it all in there and then expanded her home and waited to see what was going to happen. Little did she know what the future held for her. In 2 Kings 4, a little bit further down, it says, One day he came there and he turned into the room and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call the Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said, and she said, and he said to him, Say to her, See, you have taken all of this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? What would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or the commanders of the army? And she answered, I'm fine. Everything is cool with me. I dwell among my own people. I'm a wealthy woman. Everything is fine. And, Gehazi, and he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway of the room and he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, do not lie to me or your servant, your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elijah had said. Because she built a room, the miraculous was birthed in there. The miraculous occurred in the room because it was built and ready to go. And like I said tonight, God's not going to send people pouring through our doors if we haven't got the room ready to go. God is not going to give us an arsenal of churches and people to care about in the outback of Australia if we're not ready to go. If we haven't got it all ready to go or some idea, it can't happen. It's way too late. Like I said the other day, you know, at the peak of the housing market, we could have sold our house, but we weren't ready. We weren't ready. And once we did get ready, it was gone. She had a room built for the man of God and she stood in the doorway and 
was told that she would have a baby. The room of God was where the miracle happened for her. A little bit further down, when the child had grown, he went out one day with his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted and when he had lifted him up and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And she went straight up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door and went out. Wow, what a woman. She put the problem that God had given her in the room that she had built, ready for the miraculous to already happen. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and get him to come back. And he said, it's not, uh, why would you go to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, all is well. She had built a room ready for the miraculous. She'd already received a miraculous event happen in that room. She was having a baby. So she knew when her son died to take him back, put him on the bed, rest in God's care and say all is well. God's got this. Then she saddled the donkey and she sent, said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God on Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, the servant, look, there is the Shunammite. Run up and ask her, is everything okay with her family? Is everything okay with your husband? Is everything okay with your son? And she said, all is well. The problem is in the room of God, on the bed, I'm resting in God, all is well. When Elisha came to the house, he saw the child laying dead on the bed. So he went in, shut the door behind him, and the two of them prayed to the Lord. And then he went up and laid on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself over him, and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the room and went and stretched, uh, stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite. So he called her and she came into the room, picked up her son, and she came and fell at his feet and said, thank you for what you've done. The mother went straight into the room, put her son on the bed and rested in God and said, all is well. Do we do that? Do we do that? Have we made room? Are we ready to go? We have to make room in our house for more expansion, expansion, expansion. It's going to cost us financially. It's going to cost us in many ways. I don't know whether I'm ready for a dead body to come out into the floor and lay down face to face, eye to eye, hand to hand on someone and pray them back to life just yet. But we've got to be ready to do it. You've got, if that's what we've got to do. But all those miracles happened in the room that she had already built. The room was, was ready for the miracles. Is our room here? Is our outback ministry ready for the miracles? And my only question that I could have for myself and everybody is, if not, why not? What do we need to do to get ourselves ready? 
in the year of expansion, in the first fruit, the night of our first fruits offering, what is God going to do with that money? Well, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. We might get the kids back if someone wanted to go and grab Simon and bring them back in. That would be great. But, you know, there's a story in, in John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples um, and the, because the Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He was only asking to, um, to test him for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have one bite. Another of disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how is that going to feed so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all eaten enough, they gathered up 12 baskets after that. And all of the disciples were amazed. What an amazing story that is about God expanding something that we put in his hands. We could never give back to God everything that he needs to do. We could never do that. But tonight I want to say in the hands of God, the finances that we have, our ability to do what he wants us to do, what he's calling us to do as a church, if we put it in his hands, he will just expand it to be what he wants it to be. Tonight, I have a vision like Nehemiah to see revival come to our great nation, to see the sick healed, to see lives restored, to see families reunited, to see our nation fall in love with Jesus all over again. That's all I care about. Tonight I have a desire like the Shunammite woman to expand Powerhouse Church and make room for more miracles. Tonight we have the opportunity to get on board like the little boy with those fish and bread we have the opportunity to sow into something bigger than ourselves and go, here, God, here's my little bit. You take it and do what you want with it. So you wonder what we could use our first fruits offering for tonight. Well, I talked last week about some of the things that God has been laying on my heart. So we could expand our space. We could move our stage, which would cost about $20,000. We could buy a new sound system, which would be about $30,000. We'd get a bigger auditorium by the time we put in floors and more chairs, only about another $20,000. And another $80,000 to build the youth and the kids shed out the back and put an op shop on there and more office space upstairs for $10,000. Or we could expand our fleet of, um, um, to go out 
um, have a pastor travelling around Australia and um, talking, you know, doing all the spot fire stuff. It's only going to cost us about seventy thousand dollars for a pastor, and maybe a hundred thousand for a four wheel drive in a caravan. Um, need more staff to be able to do all the things we do. So let's conservatives say that's another eighty thousand dollars, and we'll sow some more into chaplaincy because schools are awesome, and we want to put another ten or twenty thousand dollars into there. And by the time we partner with churches in the outback and plant spot fire churches and um, make other things accessible and have online prayer meetings and we upgrade all of our sound and have an online pastor which is about another eighty or to $100,000 and uh, by the way the phone church is going really well and so that's another area where we want to expand into um, and all of those things like I think probably half of your first fruits offering will cover that tonight because that's only about $500,000. So you're wondering where I want to see the money go. I want it to see it go in all of those places. And that's just the first half of the year. I need another $500,000 million for the second half of the year. Without a vision, people perish. And I'm excited about the fact that God has chosen us. Now, I might be talking about revival. I might be talking about all of those things, the cross, as you see it up there. In 2009, that, um, that vision for that cross um, was given to the people in Hass Bluff. In 2008, God gave me a vision of that cross. And I have been living with what God has called me to do in revival for Australia since I was 17. It's not just a new thing. It's not just, oh, wow, that's the new latest and greatest. You know, the, the, the orange is the new green, 40 is the new 30. Um, it's not like that for me. It is something I have been living with since I was 17, 27, 37, 47, 57, 58. When I met Amanda, I said, I come with a vision from God. I come with a vision from God. If you're not on board with it, then you're not the right woman for me. I was deadly serious about what God has called me to do. I have done everything that God has asked me to do. Ian and I have walked the journey since the year 2000 and before about praying. We have met and prayed every week for revival for Australia since the beginning of 2000. I'm not just standing up here going, oh, I want to just do all this airy-fairy stuff. I want to make it happen because it's, I believe God's been leading us to a point for such a time as this. And you know what? We've been in a few churches in Maribor. You know, it could have happened in the Church of Christ, but it didn't. It could have happened at Tanana, but it didn't. It could have happened at Victory, but it didn't. God put me here with you guys. And why? Because you're the right people for the job. You're the right people. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any other churches. They've all got their call and they're doing great and awesome and amazing things. And our churches in Meribah are working together better than we ever have before. And we have a great leader of our Meribah, Minister's Fraternal in Darren Hayhoe. He's amazing. And he's going to preach here for me while I'm on the way on holidays as well. And uh, one week. But, you know, we have some amazing churches doing amazing stuff. But God has called me to do this. And not just on a whim. I've sacrificed my life. I've sacrificed everything that God has told me to do to be here tonight. And I want it not to be just about Graham and Amanda. I want it to be about all of us. I want us all tonight, as you put your first fruits offering in, the 
buckets over here, I want you to be able to say, I'm buying in tonight. I'm buying in to revival for Australia. When, when, when Graham and Amanda and the team of young people and some other people who are a bit younger than me um, go out west, we're all going. When Amanda and a group of ladies go to the ladies camp, we're all going. When the group of guys go out and do some stuff, we're all going. When we go to, out to Blackhall to our church out there, we're all going. It's not just about a few of us doing it and the rest of us just staying back here. We're all invested in this. And so tonight, my prayer, because the more and more that I start to see what God is doing in our world, I believe that people need Jesus more than anything. People need to find Jesus. He's the only answer that can bring us back to the place where we need to be. Jesus for our family. Jesus for our future. Healing for depression. Healing for anxiety and fear. Jesus is the only answer. And I want to be part of the solution of reversing the trend. So that in 2023, it may just go from 43.6% in the census to 47. And then by the time we get to 2040, we might be back up to 60% again, or 70%, or 80%, or whatever it is. And we will be able to say that in the year of expansion, the first fruits offering that we took up went towards all of that went towards all of that. There is so much for us to do. And we only have a limited amount of time. You know, in 50 years time, what will I be? I don't know. Old. I'll be very old. But my time might be done. My time might be done as a youth late pastor by then, I'm not sure. But my time might be done. But eventually, what God has called us to do, we, we move on. We have to, as because age dictates that. We've got to do what God has called me to do right here, right now. And that's to start seeing revival come to our nation. And I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited that next year that there'll be people who'll come to us and say, can you look after us as a body of believers? Can you partner with us in this area? Our church is struggling. W would you send a team out and help us and maybe even just um, be our covering body. And I'm believing that spot fires will just start everywhere. And we'll need more phone churches and more traveling pastors and more people online doing online stuff. And we'll need more than $500,000 to do it. And I don't say that tonight because it's just something I made up. It's been something that's been in me for 20 years. 20 plus years. Tonight, when we're starting to believe about expansion and our first fruits offering, I want you to think, oh, I want to be part of that. I'm going to be part of that. I'm going to be part of what God is doing. And so I'm going to ask Jess and the band to come back. And uh, what I want you to do tonight, I want you to do two things. We're going to, um, um, Trish has done a fabulous job over here with our fruit. And I'm going to ask you to come up as families or if you're not in the family, grab a family and come with us. That's fine. Come with somebody. And we're going to get you to uh, come up as families during this last song. But what I want more than that is for you to decide tonight, I'm going to buy in. I'm going to partner with Powerhouse Church to see revival come to Australia and see a different 
difference in the atmosphere. Let's do that tonight. So